Ariza blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get rogue. Welcome to Rogue Boys. This is the basketball series. Myself, Mike Procopio. A little bit of a delay here because the Knicks-Boston game has just gone to overtime. We're watching that thinking it was going to end, but thought we'd get started, Pro. What's going on? Well, Bogues, thought we'd have a, you know, I thought we'd have like a, a Knicks score to announce at least for a win, but, you know, total shit show NBA as usual. Now they go to overtime, so, you know, what are you going to do? It's not really going to hold anything we're doing up, but it was interesting to watch nonetheless. It is, and might as well get started. They they are my team of the week, regardless of how this result ends. Uh, I think they've taken Boston to overtime. Brunson's not in the lineup today, and they've taken Boston to overtime. They probably should have won this game quite comfortably. They're up 10 with about five minutes left, and Boston came back. But um, they are my team of the week. They they have been balling. Um, a little bit of a cushy schedule. Um, they've, they've, what are they at now? They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine um, straight. Going for 10. Uh, some of these games, so they've been Utah, Brooklyn, okay, winnable games. Atlanta, inconsistent. Washington, New Orleans. They beat Boston, uh, beat Brooklyn, and then beat Miami with a buzzer beater from Julius Randle. And they might win today and beat uh, Boston, which would be a huge, huge win. Uh, on, like I said, on their home floor, to come out with that win, it would put them at um, a ninth sorry, a ninth straight win. So they won eight straight to this point. But they're, they're my team of the week. They've been balling. They, they, they seem like they've figured it out. Rotations are kind of setting out before the playoffs. Uh, they've got a good mix of rim protection and they've got a, a real good mix of guards. Randall's having a, a phenomenal second half of the season. Um, I think he's had a great season all up, but he's, he's even excelling a little bit more and, and doing a little bit more for him, hitting some buzzer beaters. So they, uh, they are my team of the week, bro. Who you got? Well, it's the same thing. Um, not that they've been playing well. I mean, I think it's hard not to give it to them, right? Like the way they've been playing, the way they've been playing together, you know, Brunson and Randall has been killing it, you know, on, on many fronts. Mitchell Robinson has been, I think he's been hurt a little bit this year and he's been, he's been big for them, rebounded rim protection and, you know, guys like RJ Barrett, you know, stepping up, you know, I thought they'd be a little, uh, I have to be a little light on the bench, but their bench has been playing well. Like, they basically bench Rose, bench Fournier for a while, and you know other guys have been stepping up. But got to give it to them. You know, I, I was very critical on them early, and you know they've really stepped it up. I mean, Brunson's been playing out of his mind, you know, in a good way. Not, you know, he's just really been settling into his role, and and Randall has been settling into his role. And I think you know, obviously the acquisition, you know, what's it called that uh, at at trade deadline was huge for them to try to get you know a little more defensive guard heart that they could really defend rebound doesn't really need the ball and just play sort of a team game and I think the more guys you can get that that are complimentary has been great and you know Tom Thibodeau you know look he's grumpy you know everybody likes to fuck with him a little bit because he's grumpy and he's all in basketball wise and a little off I like him I think he's a really good coach and and I think he I mean, he grinds it out. He, he wears you out, but he grinds you out, and he's very well prepared, and he's got those guys playing, got those guys defending, and look, it's been great. They really haven't had much to talk about in that building for a long time, and it's great to to see they're, uh, they're playing well. They are. They're in fifth at the moment. Uh, they are 38-27 and 27 on the season. Like I said, eight straight, 9-1 in the last 10. And they're, yeah, they're, they're clear in fifth, one and a half games above Brooklyn. We think Brooklyn will fall, even though they keep winning, sneaking a few wins here or there. Uh, they're only one and a half away from Cleveland, who are in fourth. And then 
I think um, I think we're pretty settled on Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly being the top three. I think the rest of it's up for grabs. But uh, they've been playing great basketball. So all the Knicks fans out there, congratulations! You got a team that can probably even even maybe get through that first round, depending on. I mean, a, a Knicks Cavs. I think it's a pretty even matchup. So if that if that started today, it'd be it'd be Cleveland versus New York with Cleveland having home court. It'd be a pretty fair series. So you, you might even sneak out of the first round, Knicks fans. So congratulations there. All right, uh, weak team of the the weak team this week. Got to go with the Clippers. They um they've been bad. They've been really bad. They. Uh, had that infamous game that we spoke about last week, 176-175. But since then, they lost. I mean, they ran into Sacramento. They ran into Denver. Uh, Denver are playing great basketball, so you can excuse that loss. They lose to Minnesota. That's a must-win game for them. They lose to Golden State by 115-91, to 24 points. No excuse for that. I mean, Steph wasn't back in the lineup at that point. To get pummeled that badly was not great, and they go down by one point to Sacramento. They, they need to figure it out. They're... Uh, they're a great, great team on paper. As we've said, the last three or four years of this show, the load management thing, this and that, and now they've brought Russ in and poor Russ is getting the blame for their five straight losses. Um, impeccable timing by Russ to sign. Maybe should have waited another week or two and then came in when they were on the streak. But they, they're struggling. They've fallen pro all the way down to eighth. They're 33 and 33. They lost five straight, three, three and seven in their last 10. Uh, their home record they're basically dead even on home and road, 15 and 15 on, at home, 18 and 18 on the road, a bit more home games to come to finish this season. So that should help them. But they're only half a game behind seven and only one full game behind six, which is Minnesota, who some people think will fall a little bit lower. But uh, they need to figure it out, bro. They're, they're struggling for the star power they have and the, and the roster they have um, with with a championship winning coach. There's no excuse for them to be this bad right now. Yeah, Bogues, I have the same team. You know, I, I picked them as uh... – we what do you call it? Team, week of not the. week. Week of the. <laughs> I like that. I have a friend, my boy Dave Severns, who's uh, you met. We went to dinner once. We went to Manhattan Beach when we came in town, but uh, he loved it. He listened. He's down up in Norway doing some clinics, and he, he said you guys are fucked with that. Uh, the the week team week week team. What did he call it? Week of the. Yeah, week of the week. I guess. Yeah, team yeah, of the week. Love week it. Of the, there's no real way. No, he words. loves it. Yeah, but uh Bogues there look, I think it's sort of like the Celtics versus Lakers in who's the most hated team in the NBA right now. The the Clippers and the Memphis Grizzlies, and they're hated for different reasons. But like the resting, I think, is get you know, it's such a hot topic with the load management and things and how they're handling it and how and what they're doing you know, as far as sitting guys and all that inconsistency and then you've got the the now that bench and marcus morris at least that's what i read in the media today and then norman powell's out uh mason uh, mason Plumley just came in on trade deadline zubach has been out they you know it, they're really a mess as far as like what's going on and look if it if they end up winning it great but right now i don't know anybody outside that building that's going to tell you that like the Clippers without question are going to be in the finals championship ready just because of the inconsistency of the, of, of them. They just, they're getting blown out on random games, even with their full lineup, you know, Westbrook, Westbrook, everybody's sort of blaming him as well. And I don't know if it's fair enough to blame him, but like we get the whole Draymond green guarding him in the ninth row, you know, like, you know, ninth row behind the basket, guarding when he has the ball up top. It's 
it's interesting. It just, it's one of those things. And look, they've got the roster top to bottom. They might be the best team in the league. If, if you just match them up on paper without any of this like resting stuff and, and how they've been playing, but they just haven't been able to get it together. Now, look, they've got another, what, six weeks until um, the season ends, like the regular season to, to figure things out. And that's still a long time, but nothing Heavy home has schedule. Given- Heavy home schedule. I don't know if that helps or hinders them, but they do have a heavy home schedule. Yeah, I mean, besides a few glimpses of being great this year, they really haven't been consistent in being really dominating. And they've been getting killed. And it's uh, it's interesting. You know, they've been struggling and they got to figure it out. Again, enough time to do it. But I don't know, man. I mean, they, they got to start doing it one game at a time and start streaking and start getting four in a row, five in a row. But shit, how about winning one in a row? I guess you got to start there, but man, they're, they're, they're struggling. Yeah. It goes back to the whole load management thing. It's like that they never had consistent, they've never had a nice eight, nine, 10 win streak. Right. Um, I, I don't have to even go back to since they formed this team. Have they had a run like that where they've just taken the league by storm for a month? Right. I don't think they have. I have to look gurus out there. Let me know. But that's what I mean. They've never had a consistent lineup due to load management. Now they've finally got it and it seems like, oh, we'll eventually turn it on when we have to when the playoffs roll around. And that's that's stung them every single season, you know. And I guess my question to you probably is like if 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 this if this fizzles out again in the playoffs, do you keep the same roster? Do you just move away from it? Do you move one of those do you move a PG or a Kawhi and just get on with it and it just doesn't work? Or do you blow it up? I mean, you probably don't go to those extremes, but you gotta ask those questions like this is the third third year going into into fourth year of, of this squad together that hasn't really brought anything tangible to, to win games. Folks, the problem with doing it is they got no draft capital left. They dra- they 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 traded almost all of their future assets to Oklahoma PG, City right? in those trades, mm-hmm. right? In the PG trade. And and to acquire. I'm saying, Kawhi. do you move? Do you move PG or Kawhi? Like that's a team would acquire one of those players without needing picks. They'd give up. They'd give up a fair bit. Like if you're, you know, one of these teams that's on the bubble, you know, Memphis, um, one of these teams that can get one of those two guys, you you do it, right? You you strongly think about it for sure. Yeah, unless you start, you meet with these guys and say, look, we're not doing it the way we've been doing it. We, you know, the load management thing, we just can't do it the way we're doing it. And uh, to be honest, like. Kawhi, Paul George will. I think Paul George would play as much as he as you you want him to play. I think Kawhi, the way he handles sort of his injury stuff and just his body and making sure he gets rest and things, and you have to go through his camp to to figure that out. Like I think he'd be have have an issue with it. So maybe he's the guy to go. But here's the thing, Bogues, you're on the other side of this, right? What are you giving up? I mean, they're, I'm not saying they're radioactive like sort of uh, like if you ask to trade Kyrie where not a lot of people are going to give you the house and the farm for, the, for Kyrie just for one reason or another. Do you, do you give up the farm for one of those guys to get Paul George, you know, to get a not Kawhi Leonard? No, I wouldn't give up the farm, but like I'm just throwing out Memphis. Like you, maybe you give up Bane, Bane Brooks and a throwing, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to consider that because then you're grouping in like a Morant with uh, Jackson Jr. and Kawhi. That's that's a pretty good big three, and especially defensively, right? So, 
you know, a team like that, it's on the bubble. I just don't <clears throat> I'm not saying Memphis do that, but I'm just just people no, on. But you're right. I, I think someone yeah. like that that's on the bubble, you know, that that can be, you know, probably not so much Denver, but you know, you know what I'm saying? One of these teams that that, that one piece that we can get an elite all NBA guy and maybe we give up some of our youth or one of our young prospects with a throwing yeah. with someone else, it could work, you know, and that's what they that, that, that's what they get. You know, it's not a it's not a Kyrie situation or a Russ situation where you're where you're not really getting much back as far as draft picks or talent. You're just kind of moving moving the moving the salaries around. I'll tell you the one team to look out for. And this is a team that you gotta look out for on a on a trade with Kyrie as well, is the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, look, they they're sitting there with Maxi. They can give you to Bias, I think he's got more years left in his deal. You yeah. know, so you can get some firepower back and probably better. I would say Maxi's better than Bain. It's close, but I would say like, yeah, like a Memphis or a Philly or someone like that that's looking to unload, I would strongly consider it. Now, LA's still LA Bogues and they want star power. They want superstars. And look, like, I think that to me, if I'm bomber and I'm sitting there and I'm like, if it doesn't work this year, I'm going to say, look, we're not doing it this this way or we're going to trade or we're going to move you guys. Like if if we're going to do this now, look, we're still going to load manage to a certain degree. We're just not doing it to this degree. I mean, this this is this is like the fucking an Alfred. This is like an Alfred Hitchcock movie or something. This is a weird, weird fucking deal. You've never I've never seen anything like this with a team in NBA history with the way they just sort of handled sitting guys and not and whatever. So if I'm bomber, I'm probably keeping those guys, but doing it different. But if Kawhi or Paul George is like, nah, we're not going to do it this way then I'm going to be like, all right, we're going to make a move. And I and Memphis would make that deal in a second because they want to get to that next level. And and then Philly's dying to. And, and I don't think they're going to do it with the team they have. And to be honest, there aren't many other teams that can give you a package that's not going to be just young players. It's going to be good, really good players that could still take you over the edge. You know, and to me – See, Daryl Morey will make that deal for Kawhi or Paul George. I don't think everybody would make that deal for Kawhi because you don't know the injury. You don't know the health. You don't know if he's going to want to play 60 games a year, 50 games a year. I, there is a little bit of an unknown where Paul George is probably more turnkey with that, even though Kawhi is a dominating player. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think you have to strongly consider making a move. Yeah, Bama's going to be asking questions, right? Like, shit, you you, you know, you put this, you're spending, what are they salary-wise? I assume top five, and mm-hmm. you're not getting results. So this playoffs is a big one for them, and the reason why we're discussing this in depth is because they're, they're struggling right now. They need to get their shit together and, and, and have a nice little surge, you know, in March, early April, going to the playoffs, feeling good, um, and then see how that all lies. But I think if they bomb out early this, this season, you know, GM um, – and and owner need to have some conversations about what's a direction, you know. Um, so that will be that will be interesting to to see. But um, yeah, Clippers just need to, need to get it back on board. All right, elephant in the room, Ja Morant Pro. Um, I kind of know your views, but we've texted back and forth, a few group chats and whatnot, and it just it's just it's just hard to see. We touched on it last week with with well, why try and be why are you trying to be a gangster? Why are you trying to be you know, you're an NBA superstar. You don't need all that. You've made it. You've already, you're already won one in a billion. You're already a rock star, a superstar. You can, you know, buy almost anything you want. You can, you know what I'm saying? So it's, 
it's hard to watch this now. For those not familiar, he posted a uh, an Instagram live of all things, um, self inflicted. Posted himself with with a with a firearm or a gun, and I believe some people have said, "Well, what's a big deal?" Uh, well, I believe he's in a state where um, I don't think you can have firearms um, without a without a license, and our daddy is licensed, so that's why that's a big deal. So you've got the laser pointer, on, which people presume was on a gun. They did not. Uh, John Moran and his boys denied, which is pointed at a rival team bus after a game. John Moran was in that car. You've got that. You've got the allegations of of punching a seventeen year old kid at a pickup game in the off season, um, and potentially brandishing a gun. And now you've got this pro. Um, and <laughs> He's a fa- he's not the face of the league yet. He's probably about a year or two away. He's, he's kind of tra- he's in that transitionary period from being the face of the league. The league has an incentive for him to do well. He's in a small market. He's he's holding Memphis up, right? Without him there, there's not as much hype there. You know, the kind of people forget about Memphis. He's kind of that D Rose from from 10, 15 years ago. Athletic, guard, gets in the paint, aggressive, but. He's off-court issues, bro, and he needs to figure this out real quick. He's, he's now claimed the mental health that he's the victim. He's, he's going to take some some time off and find himself within his suspension. But what does the league do, bro? What's your put your Adam Silver hat on? Um, there's there's twofold with this, bro. There's what would the league do, and what would you do if you're in the league? So differentiate differentiate those two if you know, because we both know Adam Silver's psyche on these kind of things would probably be soft. But give me give me both of those, bro. Give me the both those scenarios, your scenario, and and what you think they'll do. Well, folks, my scenario is 10 games, minimum. I think, look, the thing that you have to understand is this league is moving without you as a player. Like, everybody thinks they're they're irreplaceable, right? There's only going to be one Iverson. Well, you're wrong. There's a Derrick Rose. Well, there's only going to be one Derrick Rose. Well, Derrick Rose got hurt, and then there was, you know, what Russell Westbrook. Then, you know, Russell Westbrook's fading, and now there's John Morant. And then John Morant, there's going to be somebody else. So right now he's got the world by, you know, by the balls. He's got everything. He's got stardom, star power. You know, he's charismatic. He's, you know, he's got a great game. Uh, People love him. But look, if you want to be an asshole and fucking piss it all away, then fine. But like, what, what are you doing? Like, that's my thing. My thing is, look. Protect the fucking brand of the league. You literally, you're gonna be treated like a king for the rest of your life. You're gonna be. You're right now. You're relevant. You're very relevant. You know what are you doing? I would do ten games because you gotta protect the league. You gotta. I would do more than that to be honest with you. Like that's a serious thing. Look, we got a shit show going on at University of Alabama right now. All right, you have a, a player who's gonna be a top five pick who had a hockey assist to a fucking homicide, all right? Brought a gun to a teammate and shot and murdered somebody. And nobody, not suspended, nobody spoke ill of the kid, and everything's going business as usual, all right? And now, that was like two weeks ago. Now you got this. And yeah, he didn't fire on anybody, but you got like three things here. You got the mall security, you've got... The laser pointer, you got the kid, the kid at the basketball game at your house. And now you've got this. And now you want to claim mental health because, you know, again, that's, you know, mental health, Trump, you know, racism, you know, uh, and uh, COVID. Like you say that and you can, it's a get out of jail free card to, you know, that, that beats no other. And you want to throw it on that. Look, we've seen this kid. He doesn't have mental health issues. All right. He's a player. He loves it. He's going hard at it. 
And now because of this stuff is going on, you know, that's going to get them out of it. And it's, it's a shame. You don't have to do that. Like you've got, who's the adult in the room, the dad, you know, the dad wants to be, yeah, the dad wants to be a movie star. Like, you know, like no other, you know, somebody's got to take this kid and say, look, let's, let's get rid of the crew. Let's just, let's, let's get a small circle. And then that's it. Stop the nonsense. You're going to be a king, a Hall of Fame player. Make a billion dollars. Easily he'll make a billion dollars in his career if everything goes right. But you want to piss it away because you want to do this? Now what the league would do, the league already did two games. I mean, maybe they do more based on the investigation with this kid, whatever. I would say they'll go, they'll go small. They're not going to, they're going to say mental health. I hope he gets help, help at this time, you know, but there's no slap in the wrist here. It's two games. What, where's the, where's the fear of doing something wrong? And that's where, that's where, you know, that's, that's where it's just like, if this was, you know, if this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, it'll be a, it would have been a big thing. Because people feared doing this stuff 15 years ago, in my opinion, because they know that they would have, you know, it would have, they would have came down hard. Now they'll probably be sympathetic because of the mental health and all that. But it's a huge deal. Like you got media in this country, you got people who go attack senators and presidents and and governors because of gun laws. You've got a kid who brand who, who had a gun on social media, regardless if he used it or not. And nobody's saying anything. Nobody. They think it's a joke. You see memes and this and that, and everybody's joking. I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's frustrating because, like, you don't want anybody to, to ruin their career. And he'll probably bounce back from this. You know, hopefully he's smart enough to know. But, you know, after this and, and all that. But, man, it, it's frustrating, man. It, it It's just a whole league, like, you got to understand this is a special thing. Once you're out, you're out. You know, like you 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 ruin your reputation now. It's it's frustrating because you got to protect the integrity of the league because it's a cash cow. A lot of people stealing money out there. Millions of dollars for players. You know, like it used to be like 10 and 10 will get you 5 million, 2 and 2 will get you 14 million these days. So, like, everyone's making money. Why mess it up with this stuff? Legal problems. You know, gun stuff. Especially with what's going on with shootings in schools and things like that. And rappers getting killed in Memphis. People getting gunned down. Daily. You know, it's like I read. Yeah, yeah, daily, man. Daily. It's yeah, I mean, frustrating. It's, yeah, you, you hope he – everyone deserves a second chance. I'm not saying he should be laid off the face of the earth. But the, the NBA – you know, has its stance on numerous social justice issues. One of those is there were players, you know, um, wearing t-shirts, stop gun violence a number of years ago. So they can't be hypocritical. They need to come down hard, give him a punishment, and then I hope John Ramp gets, a, like you said, a good crew around him and bounces back and, and puts this all behind him. But, Pro, do you reckon, do you think there's gangsters all over all over the world idolizing NBA players the way some NBA players idolize being a gangster? <laughs> I've always thought about that, like. It's just, it's just, it just boggles my mind. It's just like, what, why? Like, you just don't, you don't need to do that. The whole keeping it real thing, you know. I'm, 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 I'm that guy. I'm one of them. Or he's that guy. Like, it's like, 
Really? Like you're you're an NBA super not not just an NBA player. You're an NBA superstar player. You're the, you're, gonna, you're gonna be the, if you haven't already. You're gonna be the face of NBA 2K. You're gonna be you got your own your your own shoe if you haven't already. You know, like there's no need for this shit. It's just like, dude, you know. And then let, let's say you want to be you want to live that life. All it takes is one other idiot that doesn't like you, that's jealous of you. You came to the, the local nightclub in Memphis, and bang, you, you, you're dead. Like that's that's how it goes down in a lot of places in the US. So. Um, you know, I had teammates of mine that said they, you know, when they were young and dumb early in their careers, they'd go back to where they were from. Uh, a lot of guys were from, you know, areas that weren't so, so nice and, and crime ridden and whatnot. And, um, they'd go to these nightclubs and, 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 and the local gangsters and the locals that go to that place, those places hated them because they'd come in with, with nice jewelry, a nice watch, a nice car and be like, oh, you want to come to our hood and, and take our girls kind of mentality, Right. And I had teammates tell me like I, I knew then that was it for me. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back there. I can't go back home because of that very reason. Um, and, and it makes sense, right? And, and I think John Morant's in the same situation. It's like you you wherever you're from, whatever you did when you were younger, you're you're in a different stratosphere from 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 regular people. Unfortunately, now you need to be smart, be careful. You hope his dad gets in his ear a little bit, and, and they um they turn it down a little bit and just get back on the same page. But we won't labour this. Um, you just hope he. Serves a, a relevant punishment. Interested to see what the NBA does. Uh, let us know out there what you think. What, if you think it's it's not a big deal or it is, I'd love to hear what people think. But um, it hurts hurts them as well. They're having a great year. They're second in the West right now. Um, like I, I said numerous times, I'm not sold on them, but you lose your best player for 10 games, like if, if he gets 10, like Pro said, it's going to hurt you coming to the playoffs when you're supposed to be getting right. So um, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, um, a small leak, Pro, from, from uh, some scout out. Eastern Conference Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are being described as broken. So, uh, you know, shocker there, right? We're, we're all aware of that. But um, mm. this has been spoken about throughout the year in grips. No one's really gone hard. But serious disconnect between Trey Young and many, though some say nearly all of his teammates, bro. Um, mm. And reading that, I'd say it's old. <laughs> like I've, I've watched some Hawks games. I've followed kind of uh, how they've been going, the ups and downs, the firing of Nate McMillan. It does look that way on court. It's, it's that, that quote is, whether it's true or not, who knows, because it is sources. When I look at the product on court that they're putting out and even just high-fiving teammates and huddles and all that kind of stuff, there's a massive disconnect in Atlanta that needs to be fixed, bro. Yeah, I mean, going in the draft intel that I got um, when he came out, and I was a fan of his game, but – a lot of people on coaching staff and around that situation was was the same thing in Oklahoma when he was in school. He, he'd be by himself. He'd be disconnected from his teammates, disconnected from coaching staff. And it just it happened there, you know, when he got to the NBA with Lloyd Pierce and, you know, and it, it just he's got he's just that's how he thinks. And that's that's how he is. He's a hell of a player and he's got great talent. But there is a disconnect, and there is somebody, something that just makes him difficult to get behind and difficult to coach because it's always going to be his way for the most part. He's, you've been around guys like that. I've been around guys like that. It's never going to be – he's never going to meet you halfway on stuff. He might do it in small doses, but he's never really going to be all bought in. I told you, Quinn Snyder taking that job, the only way I would take that job if I'm Quinn Snyder and said you're going to trade this guy. Look, if we're going to build anything here in a true culture situation, he's just this guy's just not going to be dialed in. He's a great player. He'll put up great numbers, but it's just 
from a whole organizational standpoint, from his teammates to coaching staff, it's just going to be too like when you have to go that far out to you know to get a guy on the same page. It's different if it's LeBron James in his prime, you know. And I'm I'm not a big fan of that stuff that LeBron would do, you know, running a whole organization and and having to go through you know so many people to get to him. But it's LeBron James, one of the best players of all time. Just like I said, the same thing with John Morant. There's always going to be somebody better. No one's irreplaceable. And I just think when you think you're above things, it I don't care how good you are to a certain degree, of course, it just doesn't work. So if I'm Quinn Snyder and I could have – he was probably the best coach on the market that's not employed before he took the Atlanta job. If I'm him, I'm, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to take this job right now to coach this guy unless or maybe he wanted to coach coach him for a month or two and then when the season's over he can make that decision if they're going to trade him or not maybe that was the deal i'm not saying that was but maybe it is that would be smart if it was but, yeah, but i pro, just don't think you as i spoke on last sorry to cut you off as i spoke on last week i think i think atlanta's done that by signing for five years i think they've said that this is our guy craig like we're, we've given him a five-year deal at a big number figure it the fuck out and if if he's gonna bench you or he's gonna reprimand you for being a you know not being a good teammate, we have five years invested in that. <laughs> I think that's the writing between the wall that I'm getting, pro. If they if they would have signed another lame duck coach or a young and up and comer for a two three year deal, then I'd be like, shit, you're right. Like something, it's not gonna work. Like Trey's still gonna run the roost. The fact that they've gone after a guy who's known as a hard nosed guy, he's gonna demand the best out of you. A very good X's and O's. I don't think he's a full threshold disciplinarian, but he's not going to take shit. And we've said we're giving him five years, so it's probably longer than the the deal that Trey Young has left on paper. The writing's on the wall there for Trey. It's like you better you better fall in line. Or we'll get you out of here. And if you want to get out of here, if you want to, if if after you know a couple of months under under Quinn, you don't like it, cool, we'll move you. But I I, I think that they don't need to move him now because they've got the leverage. They're like we've we've, we've got you a an all league coach, and we're sick of hearing it. This is your third coach in three years now suck it up and get it done. So I don't think they need to do that right now, Pro. I want to see how it goes. And I think that's where their leverage is, where the organization has finally done the right thing and said, we're, we're, we're bringing in a, a guy that's got merit. He's got a voice in the locker room and he's going to, you know, you don't want to play, Trey. You don't want to, you don't want to be in your team huddles. You don't want to high five guys. You want to kind of be your own guy. Cool. You're playing 25 minutes a night for me right now until you, until you earn that 30, 35, you want that superstar. And then with that goes bye-bye all-star games. With that goes all that kind of stuff. I don't think it'll get to that point. I think if it does get to that point, then then he'll be gone. But I think the leverage is definitely in favor of, of Atlanta right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't expect him to be in a Hawks uniform and, you know, that much longer. And it's a shame because, you know, he's got some great qualities as far as his basketball is concerned. He's got great basketball IQ as far as his passing. Um, he's not a shot maker like, you know, Steph. I know they want to compare him. It's not – they're not in the same stratosphere as a shooter. He's pulling more volume. But, yeah, I mean, at some point, I think the organization has to put a foot down and be like, look, this is just the way it has to be. You know, they had their time. You know, they they, they hit New York, you know, between the eyes a couple of years ago. You know, they they did some things. They, they made some damage in the playoffs. But now it's just been downhill from there. I just don't think that I think I think they got to move them. But I agree with you. I think I think signing them for five years. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Quinn, regardless if they're giving me the power or not, I am not. I'm not. I'm not going in there for less than less than four. You know, I'll go five 
that that's probably a sticking point too. Like, look, if I'm going there and you want me to coach him, it's going to be five years because if you're going to let me go, like you let the the, 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 the last two go, I want to make sure I'm compensated because he could literally take any job right now that came out. So yeah, it'd be <laughs> interesting to see what happens going forward. Hopefully it works out. But as my mentor once told me, NBA players always revert back to who they really are. So they, they might, he might change in the short term, but he's always going to revert back. If he's a guy who's hard to deal with, he's going to be hard to deal with. I've n- almost, almost never seen an NBA player that was on that level on the spectrum as far as being tough to deal with end up being a guy that was easy to deal with over his career. Maybe after year one, possibly. But once you're, once you, in my opinion, once you reach year five, folks, you are who you are in the NBA. You are who you are. And I think that that it's just going to come back to – it's always going to come back to that. And I think that you're not going to probably see him – he'll be gone by next All-Star break, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Everyone wants to be Steph Curry, bro, until we have until it's time to be Steph Curry. And what I mean by yeah. that is the time and effort he puts in away from the floor. He's a great person, a great teammate. Uh, guys like being around him. You know, yes, he gets fired up. Yes, he might have a you know a stern word with a teammate, but for the most part, you know, it's coming from a good place. And you know, they, the reason why I bring up Steph Curry is everyone compares Trey Young's trajectory somewhat to to Steph Curry. That's the next Steph. You know, he's got the shot. He shoots from the logo. Blah blah blah. Yeah, when well, it's time to be Steph Curry, he's not. And that's when it's shit hits the fan, and your teammates are all going different ways. You got to bring him in. And that's where Steph's um, really good. So uh, we'll watch that space. But I agree with you. I think if things don't don't get better, um, that honeymoon period with Quinn, which it will be a honeymoon period, but I think by All-Star break next season, we'll know where the lay of the land is with Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Goran Dragic just signed with the Bucks. Don't think that's a big move. I don't think he's going to play much. I don't think there's a whole lot of minutes there. It's a decent insurance policy in case they have an injury in the playoffs, a guy that can get you some buckets quickly, but um, nothing really to touch on there, bro. But yeah, good pickup for Milwaukee as a backup insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Look, look, usually these guys who um, who get bought out usually don't make much of an impact on teams. I, I haven't really seen many that have have done that. I remember in Dallas we got um, Amari Stoudemire. Amari played – Stoudemire was a great dude, played hard for us, but like never – didn't really bring us over the edge. A lot of these guys who do that that, that are – that get you know they get waived before the All Star date that you could get picked up on a team and, and play in the All Star game. They don't make much of an impact. I, I think he'll be a, a solid guy, a guy that could play a few minutes here. Great guy to have on your bench. Um, every, teammates love him, but I don't think he's going to make a, a huge difference there. Yeah, Andrew plays plays big minutes for him anyway. Drew Holiday, Kendrick Perkins, our good friend, pro. Now I understand before people fire up, he he says things to get you know clicks and cause controversy but um did you see his his argument as to why Jokic shouldn't be MVP uh the stat padding thing that and and was alluding to his skin color <laughs> well did, did he allude to him or did he allude to did he say it about Dirk uh Dirk and Nash mm-hmm. did he, yeah, did, yeah did but he that's, put, that's yeah. my point he was alluding yeah. to the fact that uh, Nash shouldn't have won it because Kobe led the league in scoring that year. Because people are arguing, uh, you know, he doesn't pad his stats. He plays within a system and they're winning games and 25-0 and when he has a triple-double. And Perkins said, all right, well, if we're, if we're now we're talking about stats, why when Nash won it, Kobe was leading scorer? Why when Dirk won it? I can't remember who he argued for Dirk's year. but 
and, and then he's like, well, there's, there's one thing in common with those guys, isn't there? I'll let you figure that out. And it's just like insinuating yeah. that they're white guys and there's there's favorable, mm-hmm. there's a favoritism for white people. So just just your old casual race baiting ESPN. I mean, I, I, haven't, I just don't understand how that's even – they're allowing that to be even said. It's just like with everything going on in the world, that's what you want to bring up for your MVP argument as to why he's that padding. I, I was scratching my head, bro. I, I really was um, insane. But uh, – yeah, I mean, claiming that he's a stat patter as well on top of that is just insane. It's just insanity to me. And I get he needs to say controversial stuff. I mean, which, you know, he probably has a script written out for him by somebody because it sometimes does struggle to get his words out. But to say that he's a stat patter when, when the clear evidence lies, if it was Russell Westbrook from back in the day where, you know, he's getting these triple doubles with Washington and OKC where there's, you know, 500 when he has a triple double, you, got, you might have an argument. They're undefeated when this man has a triple-double, bro. Like, undefeated. And we'll hit some of the stats in the useful useless. But, um, yeah, I think Perkins, I don't know. I get why he's there, but I also don't get why he's there because I don't think he's bringing that much value other than just saying the most out-of-left-field shit you can say to, to get clicks. Yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of value in what he says a lot of times. You know, he goes on rants and things. I think he's sort of like the ex-player version of like a Stephen A that just sort of is loud. And Stephen A sometimes makes, even even though he's loud and difficult to listen to at times, like he'll make some in, intelligent thoughts sometimes, right? And, 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 a, and maybe half the stuff that he says. But with Perk, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of things that he's saying – you know, but look, he's a he, he's a, a media terrorist, meaning like he puts his vest on and he makes and he gets his sacrifice where he'll throw something out there and see if it sticks. Well, this stuck because, again, buzzwords, right? If for before with Jokic Bogues, what was it? It was voter fatigue, right? Fatigue, like yeah. once one person said it. 8,000 people said it. It just gets it yeah. gets boggled up, right? Now it's stat padding. Did we hear about stat padding? Maybe a little bit with Westbrook. And look, when I was in in Dallas, like like half our team thought he was stat padding. It, look, if he was, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't. I don't really care. And But you barely ever heard stat padding, right? You heard it once in a while. Um, but like now you hear it everywhere. Every talk show, every you see it all on social media now, stat padding, stat padding. Everybody's gonna give their two cents on stat padding because it was mentioned, he mentioned it and he got it out there. Um look, I don't live with Jokic. I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't care. If I had a guess, probably not. I don't I haven't thought about it for five seconds about it because it's so it, it's just it's moronic. Look. Whoever wins the MVP wins the MVP. They have a system of how people vote. You vote. No, there's no criteria for it. There's no you got to win. There's no you got to get this amount of points, rebounds, assists to get the MVP. However, whoever, if Jokic gets it 27 fucking years in a row, God bless him. If he doesn't get it <laughs> and he's ninth in voting, God bless him. Right? And... Look, it is what it is. But these things are you, – you look back in the MVP voting. It never is close. It's almost never close in the whole vote. The The closest it's ever been was I think 0405 with Nash and Shaq when Nash won I think his first one in 05. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like 
35 votes. It was within seven first place votes. But every year it's like almost it's almost unanimous with with, you know, when Curry won it over Kawhi in 15, 16, he had like 131 first place votes to zero. Like it's almost never close. So if they think that Dirk was it or Nash was it or whatever, you know, and then like they start this whole thing. And again, the terrorist got out again when he said that Euros or maybe Rose said it. I'm not sure if it was him or Rose, but like Euros don't get as much heat or international players don't get as for much championships. heat. Yeah, for championships, which I I don't really think that's all that true. I think, you know. Giannis? Does anyone not remember Giannis? Joel Embiid? I mean, okay, Embiid's international, not Euro, but it's still international players generally what they were referring to. I mean, Giannis was getting killed even by us at some point. Like we're saying, non shooter, non footwork. I mean, it's like, what? Lucas, Lucas one's, Lucas coming, you know, I think, I think. Uh, Jokic wins the MVP this season. He's going to start. It's, it's going to ramp up with him. The difference is, yeah. you know, some of these guys. You look at LeBron. You look at some of these guys. You know, Jokic and Luka haven't exactly put together a super team yet. You know, so that's the difference. Where LeBron has went, went and formed a super team and didn't win it straight away in, in in Miami. You know, now he's in LA. So that's that's where that goes. But I think it's. Yeah, it's, it's it's sour milk for the most part. I just don't like it when when race gets brought into or, or yeah, skin color it's gets so brought. Stupid. Yeah, and it's it's just a it's it, you know the whole innuendo of what it was presenting was just poor in my opinion. I just didn't think he needed to go there. And if I have to hear one more analogy that he makes off of a rap lyric, it is it is <laughs> it, it's it's a little bit funny, you know. And then like you know, look, I don't want to I don't want to shit on Perk. I was with Perk, you know, we, when we drafted him in, in Boston. I like him. He look. Everyone you talk to, they'll say the same thing. Hard-nosed guy. Great teammate. Everybody goes, you know, goes to bat for the guy. Great dude, right? But, like, here, he has to come up with stuff, and that's it. Like, remember he went on that rant about he was a franchise player, but Doc, you know, held him back? Wasn't a franchise player, <laughs> right? And then he'll go off on a player, and then a player will shoot back at him on social media, and then he'll go back on it and be sensitive about it. Like, it is what it is. That's what he just... He has to come up with something viral. It's hey, look, it worked. Like people think that like he's in, you know, like it was idiotic what he said. It worked because everyone's talking about stat padding, even if they're joking about it. Even even Jokic in his in his uh, post game that night was talking about stat padding. It is what it is, but it gets out, and that's what happens. But yeah, I don't like the race thing. I, you know, I, I'm I'm totally against the whole race deal. I'm look regardless. N- you're never going to make everybody happy in this world about anything. And no one's ever going to agree on the same thing ever. Like you could ask, you could, you could offer a million dollars to cross the street and not everybody's going to cross. There's just morons in this world. It is what it is. But like, you know, I just, it is what it, whoever wins the MVP wins it. I never get caught up in this stuff, but you know, people get sensitive to it. Like people get sensitive, especially when you're going to get to three. I think they get really sensitive to things. And I think that, you know, like they want guys, look, like you either like Jokic or you don't. You either like LeBron or you don't. Like you're going to defend your your guys. And obviously, look, you know, when he, since he's been a teammate to LeBron, he's been pro LeBron on everything. And, you know, better than Jordan doing this and that. And he, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't like the whole Jokic thing. But to to do the white thing, I, I think that's bullshit. I think it's, I think it's like, it's amateur hour. You know, it's it's amateur hour. I, I think it's bullshit. it is. 
It is. Not, not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things, but just the fact that he's on a national network spouting that is just more comedy than anything. All right, uh, one quotable for you, which I picked up a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was funny. So Michael Malone, I don't know what the context was, but he was asked about his ownership and he said, I have ownership who have not once in eight years come into my office and said you should play four and five. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. so for, he's referring to his Sacramento Kings days. Vivek Ranadive, I think, is the the owner there. Told Malone that he should play four and five. No joke. He told an NBA player. In fact, he made their G League team play that style, where they had a they had a player cherry pick um, and did not get back on defense, and then they get the outlet and just the scores were insane for that that one year they did it. They were scoring the one sixties, seventies, eighties. But don't forget, you're getting scored on the other end. So, Michael Malone with a clever little dig at uh, at Vivek now being, of course, in Denver. And um, as an owner myself, I attest to this because uh, you know a friend of mine that was like. You know, after game one, why didn't you go and talk to the team? And I'm like, listen, I'm an owner, man. Like, if I want to coach, I'll be the coach. Um, but you got to draw that line. I can't be – I don't want to go and be standing over, over the shoulder of my coach and then he's feeling, oh, should I coach how I want to coach or how Andrew wants to coach or my owner wants to coach? It's, it's a recipe for disaster. So um, credit to Michael Malone there because that makes total sense. All right, Aussie Watch, real quick, brought to you by Dabble. Uh, social betting experience where you can join a community of people who enjoy a more social and engaging bet. Follow, copy bets, and jump into the banner channel and have a chat. Go on, download the app and have a dabble. Dabble socially and make sure you gamble responsibly. Aussie Watch, real quick. Ben Simmons still injured, uh, getting scans on his back, so he's out still. Dyson Daniels, a bit of a rough comeback from his ankle injury, still not playing that well. He had 1.5 points, 0.5 assists, and 0.5 rebounds per game. So falling out of the rotation a little bit, trying to find his legs off that pretty much his first injury as a pro, so that's always hard. Daly played in one game this week, four points and one assist versus OKC. Paddy had six minutes of garbage time, his first minutes since February 11, didn't score. Um, so not a lot there. Jock, with the acquisition of Durant, minutes have remained relatively the same. 5.6 points, 3.6 rebounds, one assist and 1.3 blocks this week, so a pretty decent solid week off the bench for Jock. Josh Giddy, and now 10 times Aussie of the week, he's had a much improved week. He kind of had – his last two weeks he wasn't as good. Uh, this week back to 18 points, 7.5 rebounds and nine assists a game in four games, so playing very, very well. Thibault's numbers have continued to be consistently – Good with Portland, 7.75 points, six rebounds, two assists, 2.3 steals, and 2.3 blocks for the week, pro. So having a really, really good effect defensively. Uh, I know they love him down there with what he's doing, mainly at that end. They don't need a lot of scoring for him. He had one game as well where he, I think he had four or five threes. So he's finding his three ball. And Joe, a better week than he's had the last couple of weeks. Nine points, three rebounds, 1.6 assists, seven for 13 from three. So if you remember correctly, listeners, the last couple of weeks, his three ball has kind of deserted him. Was shooting in the 20s, 20, 30% mark now, seven for 13 for the week. So it looks like he's found his three ball and Jack White, has not played. Josh Green, finally, another bad week for him. 2.5 points, four rebounds, and 1.3 assists. Bad, meaning he had he had a tremendous couple of weeks and, and a little bit down for him. So he'll be looking to regain that pro. But that's the Aussie wrap. Bogues, so I watched Phoenix the other night, the first night of uh, Durant coming back. And our boy, Wandale, with nine and six in 21 minutes, played really well. Uh, that fucking prick stood me up. He's in yeah. Dallas, and oh, he, wow. he's the one fucking hitting me up about going out. Hey, we got to hang out. We got to hang out. We got to hang out. So, again, he fucking stay, like, stands me the fuck up. I think yeah, I, you know, I, people say that he was at the tattoo shop 
with nine and six in 20 minutes going to get tattooed on his back, <laughs> you know, from having his fucking career night the other night, that fucking prick. But I'm not going to let him live, live it down. I'm not going to let him live, live it down. I'm invited to his wedding. I might shit in a hat and give it to him for his, for, to his, uh, for his wedding present. It's fucking nuts, man. I mean, mm. here I am fucking just sitting here, minding my own business, want to hang out with a guy, text him stuff at halftime, trying to help him out a little bit, you know, and here is this is what I get treated like. So, yeah, you know, I'm glad I didn't vote for him this week for the Aussie of the week. But, you know, congrats, <laughs> you know, congrats for Giddy. You going to that wedding? No, I love that guy. It's a long, it's a long trip, that wedding. No, he was getting, uh, yeah. You going? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going. We won't, we won't disclose where it is for our listeners, but I'm going. But it's, uh, it's a long trip from little old Australia and from Dallas, actually. So looking forward to it, to catching up and um Seeing him be an honest man finally in his life, you know, so it'd be good. All right, NBL Australia, big weekend, grand final recap. Um, it is currently 1-1 pro, uh, best of five-game series against the New Zealand Breakers versus the Sydney Kings. Game one, New Zealand just absolutely uh, pummeled the Sydney Kings. Much-deserved win, uh, came out with effort, energy, they were physical from the get-go, picking us up full court. Thoroughly deserved win. I've got nothing... Uh, really bad to say about the way New Zealand played. Um, the, the Kings, I, th- I felt we came out too cool for school. We didn't match their physicality. We were on the back foot constantly and kind of chasing. Uh, we sustained a few injuries in that game. Xavier Cooks and Walton Jr. Uh, both came up pretty sore after those games. Um, so then 36 hours later, we got to head to New Zealand and play. And both those guys, credit to them, gave it a shot to play. Walton Jr. lasted about four minutes. Xavier lasted about a quarter and they were done. They, they couldn't move. Um, the quick turnaround got them. I thought we were in trouble, bro. I thought, man, two of our two of our better players from the season, our league MVP and and our star import point guard out. We're, we're going to struggle, right? We're gonna. It's going to be a tough one. And it's probably one of the best games that I think I've been a part of with the Sydney Kings, albeit part of ownership, not on the floor, just because of the way they grinded it out. They just grinded it out and. It, all different guys stepped up that hadn't played a lot lately, hadn't played big minutes, and it was just an amazing, amazing game to watch. It was, it was, it was, it wasn't finals sexy basketball. It was, it was physical. It was stop start. It was boatload of turnovers. But um, to come out with a win like that now, with five days off or four days off, next game on Friday, hopefully our. Our two stars can get back healthy into that into that game. It's a series. It's it's a series, and few few players a note. Uh, quite noy, huge huge game offensively for the Sydney Kings. Um, Justin Simon, he he had three steals in the space of about three minutes, all for layups and dunks in the open court when we were struggling to score. Uh, ripped Will McDowell wide a few times and ended up finishing the game with six steals. Was huge. Uh, Jordan Hunter not not huge on the stat sheet. I don't think pe- most people would say, oh, you know, nothing really jumping out. I mean, he had nine or ten boards, but he he really controlled the paint. Really, really got when he got in the game, he was active. He got some rebounds. He really kind of uh, negated what Pardon was trying to do. And huge, huge, ga- huge, huge series now. 1-1, one, one, that's what you want. Uh, I predicted this would go four or five games um, before the series started, so it's looking like it's a minimum of four. And um, Big win, pro. Big, big win to be a part of. Bogues, now you say like in between games, Bogues, like was it like four or five days in playoffs? Well, this one, no. So it's it's uh, it was Friday, Sunday, and including oh, okay. a flight to – so Friday in Sydney, 
boys flew Saturday midday, got to New Zealand late Saturday, and then had to back up with an afternoon game on the Sunday. Um, and now it'll be a full week till the following Friday in Sydney, and then Sunday again in New Zealand. So the same road trip, and then I think game five, if needed, is on that Wednesday. So it's going to really ramp up following this weekend. It'll basically be three games in, what is that, five days. So um, it's going to ramp up. What do you think with the turnaround, Bogues, with the physicality of the series and things, you think it's, it, it plays a, a, a big toll and a big part, you know, with, with things? Or I think how, this series how, does because New Zealand are physical as hell. They're, they're a physical team. Um, they hold, they grab, they pick you up full court, they're bumping. I mean, uh, Xavier got, got – I think he got his Charlie horse pretty early on in that game, but he was fine in game one because he was warm, but then the next day he just couldn't walk. Um, so it uh, it's tough. It's It's – it's a grind and then like I said you gotta get on a plane and then and it's not a short trip to New Zealand you gotta go through customs you gotta do all that stuff it's kind of like the Toronto trip from Miami you know it's that equivalent right so you've, you've got a long flight and then you gotta go through all the logistical nightmare then you gotta get your bus and then you gotta get to the hotel so they wouldn't have got in Till, till dinner time and, and and there's a time difference so that's what that's what professional basketball is all about New Zealand had to go through it too and, and New Zealand really struggled to score in game two thankfully uh, they couldn't really put it in the hole and and so did we to be honest with you you know there was I think the game started I think it was like 1-0 with you know four minutes had elapsed in the game and it was 1-0 like it was a grind so um, but just a an ugly game from a purist point of view but a beautiful game to me just because just a really ballsy win by Sydney Kings to, to, to grind that series out and make it make, make it into a one one when it, everyone before that game knowing once once our two stars were out would be like yeah New Zealand's got this at home sold out arena going back to Sydney to two zero to make it one one it is now a series so looking forward to that and, and some huge news broke today um, huge news for for Australian basketball but not so much for the Sydney well yes for the Sydney Kings but no it's bittersweet right um, Xavier Cooks has officially received a contract offer from the Washington Wizards. It will be remainder of this NBA season at the conclusion of the NBL season and another year next year. So what that means is why I say it's bittersweet is we we were con- we had Xavier on the books for next season and obviously wanted him back. We're greedy, right? He's, he's league MVP. Any man and his dog will want him back, but um, he has an NBA out and – um, so he will be he will be headed to the NBA, which is huge, and and it's a dream come true for him. We support it, we love it. Um, like I said, bittersweet because we'd love to have him around. That's that selfishness that we have. But on the, on the on the same note, we are one of the one of the clubs that emphasizes. We understand we're a stepping stone. We understand we're a league outside the NBA, and we understand a lot of players come to us with bigger dreams and aspirations, and we support that. Whether they coach, you know, there's numerous coaches that have done it, and players, and um, we, we hope that. Xavier continues on his trajectory into becoming a not just an NBA player, so he can tick that box, but actually becoming a a year in year out influential part of whatever roster he's on. So the Wizards have a good one. Um, hope that all all goes well uh, with Xavier once once he concludes the end of this season. But it's a it's a pretty big pickup for Australian basketball, and, and I guess solidifies what the Sydney Kings are doing in the NBL. Folks, I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great for your league. I think it's great for your organization. Um, you know, I remember when I scouted for the Boston like. You know, looking at the Euroleague Final Four, and you know when guys like you know Yasukachevis played, and you know Anthony Parker, and and some other guys like that that you know ended up making it to NBA teams. It's great that look, he didn't start as an NBA prospect. He developed. He did what he got to do. He produced. He worked. He became a pro. You know, you guys shaped that, and now he gets to go to an NBA team and and sort of see that. Like you said, it's bittersweet. You don't want to lose a guy like that. 
but it says a lot about the development, about what your head coach is doing, about what your organization is doing, what he's doing to really branch that together. And and I think it's I think it's a great it's a great recruiting tool when you're signing other imports. Like look, like look what we did for here, you know, and people in your own country. Look what we've done here. We're we're all about look. We want to win and we want the best for us. But you know. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to not only win, but we're trying to move people on, if possible, you know, to play in the NBA if we can do that. And then also, it's a great. It's I think it's a great sort of learning. It's a it's a great learning experience for young players, and and, and you could take that as examples about. Look, was an NBA player at first, and then he did what he had to do. He tunnel visioned himself, you know, got in the gym, you know, worked on the things he needed to work on. He he didn't get all that discouraged about not being an NBA player out of jump off the jump, and then he did what he's supposed to do, and now he gets rewarded with it. Now look, there's no guarantee, you know, how long he'll stay in the NBA. He's still got to continue to to sort of work and fine tune his game and figure things out. But I think that's a that's an unbelievable example of hard work, dedication, on not only the you know the the players the you know the players' point of view, but also the organization. That's great, man. That's you know that's fantastic. So. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he goes over there and obviously he'll be part of the Boomers in most likely make that Boomers team or at least be in the mix to make that team coming up at the end of this season. So we're uh, we're excited for Zave and um, he deserves it. He's put a lot of hard work in. And finally, just some fo- last bit of NBL news. The Sydney Kings have officially been granted $20 million of public funding for a high-performance centre and training centre in the um, Cumberland Council region out in Sydney, out in the west there. Right near, uh, right near Olympic Park where we play. So huge, huge deal. I, I mentioned last week that it, it is it would be an announcement before it was out that will make NBL history. Had a lot of people come back to me and say, "Well, the Perth Wildcats have their own uh, facility, or Adelaide have the Clipsal, the old Clipsal powerhouse, whatever it's called now. That that was their own facility back then. This is an NBL history. Well, well, it is because it's 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 completely ours. We we own the rights to that building twenty four seven. Meaning that uh, um, the public can't come in and out whenever they want. It's not getting rented out to badminton and indoor soccer and all this stuff. It's two full courts for us. It's cold tubs. It's physio rooms. It's massage tables. It's a state of the art weight room. It's p- private parking for the players. It's a first as far as the NBL goes. Um, I know people want to debate that, but it's not even close. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to rent this out to anyone we don't want to. And we're looking forward to that. That's a huge, huge gift for, for Australian basketball, the NBL and the Sydney Kings. And um, we're hoping that this sets a precedent for other clubs in other states to go to their government um, and get this done. And of course, it won't only be the Kings facility, the Sydney Flames, the women's team in Sydney will also be based there along with the Sydney Kings. So it's um, a great, a great, great announcement, a great day. Credit must go to Paul Smith, the majority owner. He's been working on this for, this has been three or four years in the works with State Premier Don Perite on trying to get this done um, and now it's been done. So we're, we're really excited about it, Pro. It's um, it's it's a state-of-the-art facility and something that we think every NBL team should eventually aspire to and we hope it sets a, a precedent for those clubs. Folks, the Lakers, I've been in their practice facility and they've got their new one uh, that they built a few years back and they have a Zen tree. I've heard through the grapevine that you guys are the first organization of pro sports, all right, because you you could see the future. I heard you have a load management suite in your practice facility. Can you <laughs> confirm nor deny this rumor? 
I don't know if we have that much room. I, don't, I know ah. the Warriors. I know the Warriors have sleep pods. I know that at uh, their yeah. uh, San Francisco headquarters. Sure. But yeah, we're, we'll we'll struggle to use. You know, we'll struggle. We'll, we'll use all the room we can for for everything else. But I, I doubt we'll have. We're not too. The NBL doesn't have to go too hard on load management because we only play one or two games a week. But um, we'll try to stay away from that as as a team owners pro and keep our cattle on the court. I think. Perfect. So great news there. All right, stats, useful or useless? All right, pro, here's a good one for you. So the top 75 players playing in, are playing, top 75 players as of today in the NBA are playing an average of 78% of their games. So we're talking about load management, right? So the top 75 players, that's the top 75 stars, they're playing 78% of their games. The rest are either due to injury or load management. So we, some genius out there got the, got the numbers from some, some – uh, some stars from back in the day just to equate nice. what the difference is. So Larry Bird from his rookie year to the year before he tore his Achilles, because obviously you don't want to count that year because he tore his Achilles, he played in exactly 90% of all his games. Kobe in his prime, 1998 to 2013, played in 92% of his games. Michael Jordan, rookie year to the year he, re- he, the year retired the second time, 93% of his games. Magic Johnson uh, had a little bout with the, you know, the old STD, so 88% of his games. But how about this one, pro? John Stockton, 98% of his games, if you don't mind, played. That is an unbelievable number, and he's played a shitload of games. Um, first off, useful or useless? Oh, total useful. And can you tell total us who put, this, who put this stat together? Well, that was me. Cause that, was, that was definitely me. I don't know why I did it, but I think I was bored one night. And I was, cause I'm tired of fucking hearing about load management and shit. So I was like, you know what, <laughs> you know, cause you know, we come up with these ideas or whatever and, and I'm figuring like, what's the good percentage for games to maybe like count people in, in the top three NBA teams and stats and stuff. And I thought maybe 80, but then I looked and I said, wait a minute, 78. And I looked at the top 10 players and I forgot what the number for the top 10 players were. I think it's like 80 something. And then I, I stretched it out to the, my top 75 and it was like 78. I'm like, you know what? Let me look, you know, because we talk about less back-to-backs and, the, you know, all these state-of-the-art things and stuff. Let's look at some of the players. And I couldn't do Bill Russell and those guys. So I said, you know what, let me do some 80s and 90s players. And I did, you know, Bird and Kobe and, you know, that just, you know, threw a few more out there. Man, it was – it amazed me about the load management deal. And I – and in my deal tonight for uh, Fact or Fake News, I got one, only one, and it's got something to do with load management to a, to a certain degree. But I was I was shocked. And, you know, these guys are, are going like they're not going, you know, pr- most of these guys didn't do private. They're, you know, they're flying southwest, for God's sakes, with crying babies in middle, in middle seats, for God's sakes, you know, and, and you know, not state-of-the-art equipment. And they're playing 88 90%, and those guys are getting beat up. Even though J.J. Reddick doesn't want to believe it, they actually, you know, they did play physical back then and got beat up and, you know, they, did, they didn't have anything. The facilities, the locker rooms, the, 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 the arenas they played in, they weren't really state-of-the-art, you know. They didn't really start being like that until mid-90s, late-90s. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting style. I was going to do more, but I was like, eh, let me stop with these guys. But that was pretty interesting. I mean, franchise players. Playing every night, playing ninety percent, eighty-eight, ninety-five. I mean, not even, not for a year. Throughout the course of their whole careers, or most of it, it was pretty interesting. The bird one really shocked me. I didn't like the Stockton thing. You could see, 
Yeah, well, that's crazy, man. Range. You can see it. Ninety-eight percent. That's insane. He's played over that's a thousand. Right? I'd assume, right? He's played over a thousand, right? So yeah, I was that's sure. that's insanity. Ninety-eight percent of the games, he's, you know, he's missed maybe a couple of games a season. That's just inc- that's 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 tough. And, and he like people think, oh, small point guard. He was he was physical as they come. You ask some of these old vets, like he said, those cross screens for Carl Malone. He said they'd give you old nut, the nut whack and the elbow in the chest and the, in the stomach. And sometimes guys would try to run him over because they knew he was coming across screen. And so he wasn't getting out getting out easy as far as physicality went. Um, so then that one really got me when I saw ninety eight percent. I was like, wow. Mm. But yeah, good stat, bro. Well done. The stat you should uh, should employ hoop consultants for their for their stats because I like this one and it, and it's great because it it's it's a pertinent argument of today that we hear every fucking day. Like you said, um, it's nice to hear. So they're they're not too far off. They're not too far off at seventy eight percent. But I think I think a fair number, in my opinion, is eighty five percent. I like eighty five. You know. Um, because things are going to happen every now and then, you know, you get an injury, turn a, turn an ankle or a knee or back spasms, but 85 is fair. I think 78 is a little on the low side, but uh, that is a useful stat, Pro. Well done. Highest plus minus this season, Pro, all four are Denver Nuggets. <laughs> Box really? plus minus, yeah. Jokic at plus 583, KCP 484. This was a couple of games ago. Gordon 460 and uh, Porter Jr. at 383. And that makes sense. They Those four are together for 90% of their – of their lineups, right? They're playing together, but Jokic leading the league at, at five eighty three, useful, useless. Oh, useful for sure. I mean, it, it just goes to show that, I mean, a that lineup plays well together when those guys are in the game, and then like, you know, I mean, four guys in the same team leading the league in plus minus. That's that's crazy because you don't think of them as a team that blows teams out or has a huge differential. You, you think like Mike Malone. Jokic, the way they play, they grind you out. They, you know, they'll win by seven or six or nine. I mean, that shows me again. I don't do the math on that, but shows me that those guys, you know, those guys got a pretty big differential when they're in the game. So, yeah, I think it's definitely useful. What do you think? Yeah, useful, useful, and and yeah, like you said, I've been checking their scores religiously just to see, and they're 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 consistently double digit winners at the end of every game. They beat Memphis by double digits, and they. They're getting it done, man. I just hope they can finally <clears throat> propel on the playoffs and try to get to a championship. Imagine Denver in the finals. <laughs> like, this would be crazy. That, 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 yeah. that, strange, that strange city and not a big market, but, it, but yeah, it will, will be very, very interesting to see how far they go. All right. <clears throat> I am going to go on record and say I think Jokic is the MVP this season, Pro. Um, I'm giving it to him. Here's some numbers for you. He's 25, 12, and 10. On your favorite... True shoot, and his true shooting percentage is seventy percent. So, all right, discount the seventy percent because you don't like true shooting. But regardless, twenty-five, twelve, and ten percentage splits: sixty-three percent from the field, forty percent from three, eighty-three from the line. So he's a one-eighty player. He could get this, bro. He's only sh- he's shot below fifty percent only once this season, bro, which is pretty amazing. Most assists per game by a center ever in NBA history. Leads the NBA in plus minus, leads the NBA in triple doubles, and as we said earlier, his team is 25 and 0 when he hits a triple double pro. Useful or useless? I mean, I think it's useful as a group for sure. I mean, look, I mean, just to all those numbers at once and then a 25 and 0 with the triple double deal, that's that's pretty crazy. And you know what? Yeah. One more thing, Bogues. He's 30th in usage. That's my point 20- with this whole stat padding thing. He's shooting 63%. He's had numerous games where he hasn't taken more than 10 shots. So he's okay with playing within the system. People say, oh, he's, he's searching for assists. 
come on, man. Like if he was if he was really gunning for assists, you know, got gunning for stats, he tried to average a thirty ball with a triple double, right? And it's yeah, I mean his usage is just not it's nowhere near he's not getting ISO plays run for him every single possession like some of the other guys in the top five, right? Bogues, I mean, I'm just I'm just gonna run down names, right? Giannis, Luca, Embiid, Morant, you expect that, right? Then you got like Russell Westbrook, Julius Randle, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Green from Houston. I mean, I guess you have to, right? Because like, yeah, they're, they're the best yeah. players on their team. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Kuzma has a higher uh, pl- a higher usage, usage rate than him. Zach, mm. usage, my fault. Zach Levine, Jordan Clarkson, who comes off the bench, Siakam, Kelvin Johnson, our boy Cam Thomas. And mm. then you got Jokic coming there at 30. And Banchero, of course. Uh, Banchero um, at 27. So, I mean, that's crazy when you think about that. And he, you know, he puts up those numbers in that. And the box score plus minus, whatever that is, maybe that's the same thing. But Jokic is at 13.3 and mm-hmm. Doncic is at 10.1, which is nuts. You know, like that's the difference on the average with them, with those guys out of the game versus in the game. It's, it's not, that's crazy. Insane. I mean, I think he's, I think he's had, this is probably his best year out of the last three, to be honest with you. Um, he's, he's, he's doing it and I just, uh, there is some fatigue there, but you can't, you can't dispel the numbers. And, and like you said, 30th in usage, he's not searching for it. He's not pressing for it like some other guys do. And, and look, people do, you know, players have pride. Of course, you, of course you want to have good stats. Like, you, you know, you want, you get paid per your stats. So, People do stat pad. Like I've I've tried to chase rebounds for a double double. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. Of course, I've got I've got 19 and and nine and three minutes left in the fourth. I'm like shit. I want to get my rebound, get a double double, have a double double streak, or I, want to, I had a streak for a while where I, was, I I blocked at least one shot for a shitload of games in a row. I want to get a, a block shot. So yeah, of course, that's that's you want to be good in your craft and you want to put up good numbers. But the difference is. Jokic doesn't do it to the detriment of his team. There are players out there that put up big numbers that do it to the detriment of their team. There's certain shot blockers that overly chase blocking shots and then putting their you know their teammates in jeopardy by giving up offensive rebounds or going out of the scheme. There's guys that don't want to move the ball offensively and then stagnate the offense because they want to ISO and get a shot up because they haven't shot it for a little bit. So that's the beauty of why I think Jokic is the MVP. He's letting it come to him and, and putting up phenomenal numbers. So useful and my prediction for the MVP. All right, last one. Have a think about this one, pro. Most three pointers made by sorry, most three pointers made by a player shooting forty five percent plus this season. Most threes in a game? No, no, just just uh, total. Most total threes made by a forty five plus forty five percent plus shooter this season. Woof. Um, I'm going to guess. Uh, you know, I don't think you'll get this one. I would. S- I would say, because there's only like, I think like there's not three many. guys. There's, there's like three, three guys, guys maybe close, right? Number four. I know. I, I'll number say four. KCP. Oh, wow. You got it. It is KCP. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. How'd you get that? I, I, I cheated. I cheated. Yeah. I looked at my database. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, KCP has 116 make, makes Brogdon number two at 109. Watanabe at 53. Number four pro. Nobody else has more than 20 makes at 45% plus clip this season. So KCP's having a hell of a year, by the way. He's having he's playing very, very good basketball. He's an integral part of what they're doing. If they're gonna 
aspire to be a conference finalist or, a, or NBA champion. He's he's kind of that smoky in that lineup, that dark horse, that that guy that needs to kind of sneakily just have his you know three or four threes, and he's really solid defensively. So, um, shout out to him. He's had a great year. Useful, useless. Yeah, I say it's useful. I'd say it's useful. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to shoot that high, usually those guys who shoot that high, unless it's like Steph, like it's like a bench guy, like a, guys like a Steve Novak or a JJ Redick that just comes on. Yeah, that thing. they won't, they won't make that many. Or JJ would, they but like bad ones. Most, yeah, they they'll just you know they'll t- they'll 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 make or take just enough to get the their just to qualify to lead the league. In, mm-hmm. in that person, and then yeah, the mix usually isn't that high, but that's that's a pretty high clip. Yeah, that's useful, a pretty use, high useful clip. to me. KCP's having a great year. Brogdon too is having a great year. Yeah, you know he wasn't known as a as a knockdown. He's a good three point shooter, but forty five percent plus at one hundred nine makes. Congrats, useful. What do you have this week? Fact or fake news? Bogues, I got one, which I thought was pretty good. I was actually gonna give this to you for fact. I mean, uh, for useful, useless, but. I actually just combined it for one good, uh, one good fact of fake news. So in 2001, 2002, 42 players played all 82 games. In 2021, 2022, five players played in all 82 games. Wow. Uh, this year currently, unless I'm wrong, I might have to go back and count. There are 18 players that are eligible that played all 100% of their games. The Iron Man Award, bro. We used to call this the Iron Man Award. Yep. Yeah, now it's like the, I don't know, the the Pillow Man Award maybe because (laughs) it's not really that many Iron Men left. Uh, The five, by the way, I I don't know because they're only faces. Looney, some guy in the Pistons, Dwight Powell, um... The Israeli kid from Washington, I forgot. Ed, Ed Vila, Avdia. I think it's yeah, yeah. Avdia. Avdia and Bridges were the were the guys. Now there are some guy from Detroit. Give him some respect. No, Bogues. You don't have it. I don't think it's Bagley. No, I don't because it's just it was a Google. Facebook post and they just showed the pictures. Gotcha, they showed gotcha, the one okay. picture with five yeah, with uh, one. They need, get, they need to get better so we can know who the hell their players are. So yeah, far. it's got a one. He's got a one on the second digit. So I'm sure I can look it up. Hold on. Hold on, folks. Give me two seconds. I'll, be, I'll look it up right now for you. As we're on here. Hold on. Detroit database. Let me see. Is it Isaiah Stewart? No. Is it Marvin Bagley? No, he wasn't on the team. Hold on. Roster numbers. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to make a guess. No, I can't even guess. It's I don't know the guy. It's not Diallo. It's not Alec Burks. It's James not- Wiseman. Not James Wiseman, Cade <laughs> uh, Cunningham, possibly it might be Cade. No, Cunningham. he's injured. He's injured. He got injured this year. Last anyway. year, though, last year, twenty-one, twenty-two. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, was. Anyway, there's eighteen. There'll mm-hmm. be fifteen players that play in all eighty-two games this year. Fact or fake news? Fake news, because uh, teams will start resting guys. Um, I need to see who the players are, but if any of those players are on playoff teams. I'll get a night or two off leading into the playoffs. You can bank on that, bro. So I'm going to go fake news. Yeah, I'll say fake news too. But 18, mm-hmm. that actually was a pretty high number to me. I thought since five last year, I thought maybe 10, but 18 was actually a pretty high number. But yeah. I only did it once, my rookie year. <laughs> you did. How hard <laughs> was it, it. both? I didn't. I was young and dumb. I had no idea that it was even a thing. And then someone told me, yeah, you were Iron Man this year. You didn't miss a game. And I was like, oh, well, okay, cool. And then I was hurt 
pretty much got injured the next three straight years at some point in the season. So it's hard as shit. It is hard to do. Um, and I didn't have load, load management back then, so that wasn't the big issue. The big issue was just getting a knock or turning your ankle or all that kind of stuff. So it is hard to do. So you commend the guys that do it. But, um, yeah, today's a whole nother, whole nother list of shenanigans as far as load management goes. But um, that was a good one, bro. Ah, thanks, folks. Yeah, I saw that uh, in passing just on, on Facebook. Uh, you never think Facebook has anything good to, to show you, but uh, yeah, it showed it showed that it did. But yeah, you never know. You never Beautiful. know, folks. All right, that wraps up another episode. Thank you, everyone. Let us know. Give us your feedback. Share this at Rogue Bogues, at Hoop Consultants for Pro on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you all next week. Bogues, we'll see you guys uh, next next week. Oh, Bogues, I get the guy. I get the guy. It's Sadiq Bay, by the way. Okay. 82 there games. you go. Some yeah. love for the Pistons. Sadiq Some Bay. love for the Pistons yeah. on Rogue Bogues. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, it. Apologize, right. Sadiq. My bad. Let's get rogue.